0: Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the Smart Cities podcast is the only podcast dedicated to all things Smart Cities. The podcast is the creation of ARC Advisory Group's Smart City Practice. ARC advises leading companies, municipalities, and governments on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business and quality of life in their cities. To engage further, please like and share our podcast or reach out directly on Twitter at Smart City Viewpoints or on our website at www.arcweb.com backslash industries backslash smart dash cities
1: Welcome to another edition of ARC advisory groups, smart city viewpoints podcast. I'm Jim Frazier, vice president of smart cities here at ARC. I'm very happy today to be joined by Alex Chata, our lead lighting analyst. Welcome, Alex.
2: Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey, thanks for thanks for being on. Hey, um, let's just jump right in. What's your background, and how ha- and how has your background enriched your most recent lighting study?
2: Well, um, I'd say first of all that uh, I have a degree in operations technology, which I think gave me a foundation for covering automation systems, and here at ARC, I've I started at the. Dis- sensor level worked my way up to SCADA and in in particular smart water networks Um, and then I joined the IoT team and now that I've been on the smart cities and buildings team my main focus has been on lighting control systems and I've done the study um, for the whole smart lighting market for a few years now and this year is the first year that I decided to separate out the intelligent street lighting systems market into its own study and um, I'm glad I'm here to give the opportunity to uh, to talk a little bit about the insights that I gained in that research.
1: Well that's that's great. Before before we go on to the to this most recent intelligent street lighting systems study I know that uh, you had been involved with. Uh, can you touch on some of the other studies you you were involved in? I know that uh, in conjunction with Larry O'Brien, you worked on the uh, Smart City Platform study. And um, uh, what yeah, what others well, have you done in the recent uh, in the recent past?
2: I, I did the water and wastewater study for ARC last year as well. I did a study a study on the overall smart lighting markets, but I separated out the intelligent street lighting market. And I'm going. And I've done in the past uh, studies on like every from level sensors to uh, through third-party logistics even. (laughs) So I have like a a very long history Mm -hmm. of working with systems here at ARC. And I feel like that background in operations technology is sort of was SCADA before SCADA. I mean, uh, SCADA before Internet of Things was pretty much Internet of Things, but just not called by that same name. So I feel like I have strong, very strong background and glad that you have me on today to talk about it.
1: Great, great. So, well, then then let's uh, move on to, um, can you provide us an overview of the scope of your intelligent street lighting system study?
2: Sure. Um, well, it covers basically from the pole back to the operations center and everything in between and um, it covers the sensors that are deployed on the light poles it covers the controllers that are used to control the uh, LED bulbs that are being installed and it also covers the the network type that goes from the edge back to the operation center and whether or not that's based on the cloud or it's on-site both uh, both are included in this study
1: great now this is a developing marketplace Um, what what are the key drivers that are critical to growth?
2: Well, I think first of all i mean leds uh, that technology has um given it a like it's microprocessor base so it it lends itself well to a system so um and The other benefits that it has, such as having lower electricity costs, lower maintenance costs, all these things are driving uh, cities to transform their uh, street lighting networks into LED-based systems. And on top of that, the vendors are providing platforms that are allowing cities to become smart in many different ways.
1: Right right well I might my, might my, yeah, I think you I answered my my next question which was you know, how has LED technology been been impacting the market but do, do you want to expand on that a little bit
2: i um, sure a little bit to add to that is that um if you look at like the efficacy of the lights and the cost of the LED lights those have both been reaching the point in the market where it's it's very uh, Low cost to uh, apply this technology. and um, all the other benefits that it adds on top of that, such as like applications, like smart parking, smart traffic management, environmental monitoring, all these capabilities that this type of system can give you is really what's pushing a uh, cities to go for this change.
1: Okay, so, uh, not not all is all is rosy always in all developing markets. So so let's look at what are what are some of the obstacles and inhibitors to well. to this growth.
2: Well, I think uh, one thing is that it's a very highly fragmented ecosystem. There's a lot of vendors out there, so there's a lot of suppliers pushing. You know, there's stories about how their their system is the best and their system is the one that cities need. And I think that that sort of makes cities a little hesitant when they're getting some sort push from the marketing side. And there's also things like cybersecurity vulnerabilities. This is increasing the surface area for attacks exponentially by putting these devices all over your city. That give uh, access points to um, cyber criminals, or and the damage that they could do is pretty severe. You know, if you're controlling traffic, or you know, even the street lighting itself provides safety for uh, the citizens when they're walking at night Mm -hmm. um, or driving. Um, So I think there's those are big ones, and then also, obviously, we have to touch on COVID-19. That is uh, going to be a yep. big inhibitor in the market this year and going forward for the next few years.
1: Yeah, one of the challenges and I, I know is uh, is is in your study is that you know now that LED street lighting is essentially a microprocessor, it is a microprocessor-driven device. The you know IoT is there, but very often the challenge is what what business case do we wrap around that. The fact that we can have an, a, a sensor in there, uh, you know, where, you know, what economic business case uh, do we, you know, is so compelling that, you know, has a two or three year payback um, or is or is just, you know, incredibly impactful in terms of uh, human safety or preserving the environment, sustainability issues or, or resiliency issues. And it's it's something that while it's not necessary, no, I wouldn't call it an inhibitor. It's it's a challenge that you. Um, uh the industry is 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 wrestling with
2: yeah i mean i think that um just the energy saving cost alone makes this doable for a city because in some cities it's as much as 50 percent of their electricity cost are oh, in absolutely running these old street lights yeah. so i think that that is like you know a main selling point for why to do this the rois are very fast and then when you add in that the maintenance cost uh, reductions for not having to go and change all these lights all the time that's the, those two costs alone should make this you know something that's worth investigating and then i think when you add on top of that there's so many different things where that can become revenue generators for uh polls like or or sustainability issues as well for example uh, studies have shown that a 30% of curb, uh, urban car emissions are from people driving around looking for a parking spot.
1: Yep. Very true.
2: And it also increases the traffic in your city, makes people less happy, you know, that'd be stuck behind someone trying to find a parking spot. So if you use this platform to add in a smart parking platform, uh, application you can uh you know use an app that many cities have apps now that that are for smart parking and it can you can locate a spot ahead of time sometimes prepay in a garage for a spot before you even make your trip into the city so i think that's an example that you know a city can look at and say wow 30 percent less air pollution like that's a quality of life that um smart cities want to deliver to their, to their citizens.
1: True. And, you know, in, in, um, uh, when you're out there replacing your led street light, you know, you're look, you're, you'll get a two or three year payback, you know, 50 to 70% energy savings. And you probably won't need to main to touch that fixture or maintain it for uh three or four times longer than uh, the time it took for your, or the, you know, the time frame it took to go and maintain, an HPS or metal halide fixture, because those those you would typically touch to in two to three year timeframes. Um, these LED fixtures arguably are warranted at ten years and may go quite a bit longer. So while you're getting that energy and maintenance savings, I you know I would argue uh, um, that it makes sense to put out your relatively low cost backhaul network here, you know, an intelligent street lighting system, with the idea that you will find applications including you know as you said um you know CO2 uh vehicle emissions monitoring that's a yes, great one
2: yes i mean i, I... Whether the network that you use is broadband or not, you can still accomplish a lot with just power line communications, which uh, many, many vendors offer that as, a, as an option for a city that wants to save some money by not having to put in fiber or a uh, broadband backhaul lines. You can, uh, you can accomplish pretty much everything you need to do using edge computing and even a power line communications uh, sure. option.
1: Right. But the, but the interesting part is that the financial business case is stronger if you can install this control network while you're doing your LED uh, retrofit uh, because you're already up there in your bucket truck.
2: Yeah. And, and considering the situation right now where everybody's trying to work from home, the issue of not having enough, broad, enough uh, bandwidth capabilities for remote working is affecting everyone right now and cities are looking at that as a possible reason to switch to digital infrastructure and um, I think that like streetlights is the most cost-effective way and if uh, the vendors can you know uh, tell this compelling case to smart cities I don't see why they wouldn't choose the smart lighting network as their um, primary way to increase bandwidth in in a quick manner
1: in fact alex in thinking about your uh about the uh vehicle emissions example that you brought up uh those of us who went to light fair in philadelphia last year uh may have experienced some clean air around the convention center there in uh, downtown philadelphia um you can read there's some application stories out there about how the air quality was very poor the city recognized it put out sensors. And now, when the air quality starts drifting towards poor, they restrict truck traffic uh, in those areas so that convention goers and people visiting convention center uh, get cleaner air. And that's, oh, that, uh, that's a that's a you know,
2: interesting
1: going going application. So, um, moving on a little bit. So what are some key strategies for success for cities and for the utilities who are buying and installing and maintaining these systems? Well,
2: I think one one of the key ones is that to use this platform for more than just lighting control. If you're using it just for lighting control, you're leaving a lot of opportunities for citizen enhancements to their lives as well as – public safety uh measures i mean they could be using i p cameras to see temperatures of people and be give a provide a warning you know for a covid night possible covid nineteen spreader um there's also other re, re other things that terms of uh, adding in uh, electric vehicle charging, um, digital signage that allows you to sell advertising, um, partnering with some of the uh, wireless companies like Ericsson, and putting uh, nodes in, on in, on the poles to increase cellular uh, data bandwidth. There's, there's so many things that you can do beyond just the basic control system, and the cost difference is minimal to go from uh, just the Control strategy to a city strategy, a smart city strategy.
1: Yeah, that's that, those are great points, Alex. And, and I'd like to add that it, this really doesn't is not just a fit for for you know New York City or Los Angeles, San Francisco or or, or Singapore. Um, there are um, in some of the uh, uh, economically challenged areas in Detroit, they have an IoT network like this on the on the street lighting network that actually. Um, has smoke detectors in buildings that are not occupied you know abandoned um you know they call them zombie buildings and that gives the fire department advanced warning that there's a fire rather than a fire occurring and then a resident seeing the fire from down the down the block and it has greatly enhanced the the capabilities and the resources of the fire department. It's really been a force multiplier for the fire department um you know uh in and the 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 anecdote I, I love the most is that in in some developing in in a developing country in Africa, um, students after sunset in in a city that had no power were doing some homework under a solar streetlight, but they couldn't see it all that well. It it wasn't enough really to read their books well. So there there are some vendors that got together and use a remote control street lighting system to turn up the light level uh, beyond what's needed to eliminate the street for driving or walking just so the kids could do their homework until it was time for a generally accepted time for kids to not do homework say eight or nine at night um, that that small application then because they were able to save their solar power in their battery system Attracted the interest of a satellite internet provider who then provided satellite internet to the same kids and gave them some tablets so that now in a city in Nigeria that doesn't have power, electrical an electrical power grid, the kids actually can have internet access, which is amazing. So That's a great story. These smart city applications are not just for, you know, for the most advanced and most well-funded cities at all. It, it, no, it if, runs the gamut.
2: Yeah, if anything, it's, it's the perfect opportunity for cities that don't have a lot of budget and don't have, uh, you know, the economic power of a New York City or San Francisco. Um, all light poles have a NEMA socket on it and uh here in america at least and uh you can get a node that plugs in and self meshes i mean i've heard for less than like 70 dollars a node exactly which is, which is means that you can you know in one day you can plug in all your street lights have and it will create the network for, for you and be done for you know in the thousands of dollars and or or a hundred thousand dollars. not it's not millions of dollars to do this. it's it's you know very reasonable cost.
1: And there is a fine and there there is a, a strong financial business case to 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 do this. This is not uh, this can often be done in a positive cash flow manner uh, when when you wrap in the energy savings from the LED conversion. um I, I've only got really uh, two last questions, Alex. Sure. Um, How how do large automation vendors uh, participate and be competitive in this market?
2: Well, I think that um, the easiest way is obviously to go the acquisition route, because as of right now, like there are many of the large automation vendors um, don't have this expertise for street lighting. But there are lots of innovative vendors that are smaller that have already created this technology, have the talent. So the easiest way for the big automation vendors to start, who are the best positions in terms from an operations perspective with engineering teams and the the ability to go global and um, have expertise in a lot of different areas for smart city. But in this particular area, they're not very strong. There's a lot of uh, lighting vendors like Signify, Osram, um, you know, sure, many all the big uh, lighting vendors out there are are in this space, but there's also dozens of smaller startups that have the technology to accomplish this. So I think the best way for them to approach it is to acquire.
1: Right, right, cuz there there you're right, there are there are suppliers from large to to you know smaller like the Simcons and the Ubiquias. Yeah. Um now you uh you touched on cybersecurity, but do you want to expand uh a little bit about that and maybe the NIST model? Shh.
2: Um, well I was gonna say just uh based off of like A or C's model of uh IoT approaching cybersecurity from an IoT perspective, you have to, you know, do a little, uh do a few things differently than normal. You have to extend the scope from uh local systems to distributed edge devices. You have to refocus your security strategy from protecting systems to device management. So it's um, you really want like you know your IP camera to be s- secure at the edge and, on, and have an embedded security already in, when you're deploying these because there's been many attacks that have utilized IoT devices because of the lack of security that they've been has been in, uh, employed on the device level. And then you also want to tackle convergence issues. So you want robust standards for your IT, OT, ET integration. And you also want to have secure supply chains. So that's like cradle-to-grave cyber asset protection for solutions. So you want to work with like your suppliers or your your ecosystem to secure it from end to end.
1: Great, great. So um,
2: I wish Larry uh, was here, though, so you could uh, expound on that a little bit. Uh,
1: um, well, I know I know you know Larry is fond of of pointing people as step one to the NIST cybersecurity framework as a, as a real uh, foundational piece of best practices, and you know I, I think um, in our in ARC's own um, you know lighting uh, selection guide, uh, you know we point to that you know, as well. Um, so Alex, um, who uh, who should People, re- how do people reach out to you for to learn more about this study?
2: Well, I think uh, the first thing to do is to go to ARC, uh, ARC's website, arcweb.com, arcweb.com, and go look at the smart lighting uh, p- page under our research there. And that way, you can either get, you can read a little bit more about it, see what's available, and it provides uh, contact information, or you can email me at alexc at, at arcweb.com.
1: Great. Great. Well, Al- well, Alex, it's been uh, great having you. Are there uh, any last words you have for us today?
2: Uh, no, that's, that's it. I think we covered everything.
1: <laughs> well, Alex, thanks thanks for, uh, for joining us today. And we, we're looking forward to having you back. And thanks to everyone who's listening in. And we hope to see you again on another edition of the Smart City Viewpoints podcast. Thank you very much for attending today.
0: Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the Smart Cities podcast is the only podcast dedicated to all things smart cities. The podcast is the creation of ARC Advisory Group's Smart City Practice. ARC advises leading companies, municipalities, and governments on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business and quality of life in their cities. To engage further, please like and share our podcast or reach out directly on Twitter at Smart City Viewpoints or on our website at www.arcweb.com backslash industries backslash smart dash cities